Good evening, my friends, and welcome to another episode of Terror Radio Podcast. If this is your first time joining me, then welcome. This is a podcast dedicated and bringing you the best of horror and thriller, old-time radio broadcasts, as well as original stories. I am your host, Keith, a.k.a. The Radio Show Nerd, and tonight's episode is a part of the series that I like to call Lesser Known, but equally entertaining. So, without further ado, this is Terror Radio. The two radio series highlighted tonight are The Uninvited and Out of the Night. And I could find nothing on either one of these programs. I scoured the internet and went up and down on the Googler and found absolutely nothing. But I did find the episodes featured tonight very entertaining. We're starting off with The Uninvited with the radio play Odette's. And after that is the radio play Dead End, which is featured on Out of the Night. So, you all know the drill. Sit back, turn down the lights, and listen to Odette's, followed by Dead End. Springbok Radio presents The Uninvited. Have you heard them? Those fearful sounds in the dead of night. The muffled creak of a loosened board. The shuffling step of a ghostly figure. The eerie voice of the uninvited. Hello, Mrs. Owens of Fairway, Durban. Hello. Mrs. Owens, how would you get these dirty white slacks white again in just one wash? Just one wash? Mm-hmm. Well, I'll use my usual product, Surf. I find that the, the blue in the Surf brings out the whiteness. Surf? You've yes. been using it a long time? Um, seven years. Seven Over years. seven years, yes. And what is the quality of Surf that you think is so... Well, it gets everything clean. Oh, there you are. Most housewives trust Surf with Super Blue for perfect whiteness in just one wash. Why use up your hard-earned savings to pay for that overseas flight? Barclay Flight keeps your capital intact, keeps it working, earning interest for you. Barclay Flight, up to two whole years to pay for an overseas flight, at installments so low that you won't want to touch your investments. Barclay Flight, no sureties, no forms, no waiting, no deposit. Show your Barclay card to your travel agent... And keep your nest egg to come home to. He tooted the horn to let the fellow on the road know he wanted him to get out of the way. For Stephen Holmes had urgent business in town and wasn't going to waste time with hitchhikers. Besides, it was lonely on the Cornish Road and you could never tell about hitchhikers. And best not to have anything to do with them. 
No good. There the idiot stood, fair in the middle of the road, and it was too dangerous to try to avoid him. Holmes would have to pull up. Damn nuisance. Think you take a hint? Ah, well. Will you kindly get out of my way? I'm in a hurry. I just want a lift, mister. Just a lift. <sighs> Sorry, I, I can't help you. Not today, anyway. I, I'm having trouble with the carburetor as it is. Engine won't idle. It uh, just cuts out. Get out of the car. Eh? Uh, here, what's the idea? You heard me. Get out of the car. I need that crate and I'm going to have it. You must be out of your mind. This isn't a cap pistol, mister. Now, come on, out. You can take your hand off that door. I'm not moving. All right. You ask for it. What the devil? As I thought, you were bluffing. But but it is loaded. There's something wrong with a fool thing. You better get back to stealing women's handbags, my friend. Goodbye. No, you don't. I want that car and I... Let go. All right. You want to play it tough, I... Oh. Oh, keep away from me. What the blaze is... No. No, keep away from me. No, please. Please keep away from me. Mad. Completely off his rocker. Stephen Holmes completed his drive to town where he successfully concluded his business, the first part of which was to sell the nearly new car for some 700 pounds. However, he found it wasn't easy to dismiss from his mind the man on the road. And as a result of discussing the incident with the car dealer, he decided to make a call at the police station before he completed his business and caught the bus back home. Ah, take a seat, Mr. Holmes, will you? I'm Sergeant Ward. Well, I, I don't have very much time, Sergeant. Ah, uh, yes, that's all very well, sir. But you've made a statement about meeting this man on the road and being threatened. And I was. But I suspect the fellow is just some crackpot who... I'm uh, afraid not, sir. I very much suspect it could have been Albert Tamblin. Who? Albert Tamblin. You must have read about him in the papers. Tamblin. Oh, oh, you mean that man who murdered the farmer in Devon and got away That's with... That's the one. Of course, we can't call him a murderer yet, you understand. We... Uh... We only want him for questioning. It seems pretty obvious he did it from uh, from the paper reports. Well, man to man, I agree, sir. But officially, we only want him for questioning. Now, uh, this chap you met, uh, a heavy-set dark man, very bushy eyebrows, rather piercing eyes. Yes, that sounds very much like him. Uh, his nose was sort of flattened, as I recall, uh, as though it had been broken and not set properly. Then, that's Tamlin for sure. Good heavens. Yes, exactly. Now, uh, suppose you tell me exactly what happened, Mr. Holmes. Happened? Uh, uh, well, uh, he was there ahead of me on the road and waving for me to stop. You were driving a car? Uh, yes, didn't I say that? No. And, uh, as you mentioned, something about catching a bus a minute ago, I Well, I, uh, I just sold the car, you see. Oh, I see. Just a minute. Aren't you the chap who bought the old house out by Hammerhead Rock? That's right. Uh, my wife and I rather... I thought I remembered the name. There was all that business about the gold coins. Yes, that's right. Um, are you liking it out there, Mr. Holmes? Uh, well, uh, to tell the truth... Uh... I, uh, I heard you had a bit of trouble in a kind of way. 
I'd, uh, I'd rather not talk about it, if you don't mind. Uh, and my bus, uh, if you want to hear about... Uh, Tamblin, yes, yes, uh, of course. I'm, I'm sorry to get off the subject. Uh, about Tamblin. Uh, we presume it was Tamblin. You said he waved for you to stop. And I did stop. Uh, I didn't have much choice. Uh, he was standing right in the middle of the road, which isn't very wide there. Uh, where was this exactly? Well, just, uh, just this side of that sharp bend from the hill, uh, about four miles out. Ah, yes, yes, I knew the spot. Um, what happened, um, after you pulled up? Well, he said he wanted a lift. Then when I refused, he produced a pistol. When I called his bluff, he tried to shoot me. Well, it was a dangerous thing to do, Mr. Holmes. Calling his bluff, you could have been killed. Yes. Uh, well, actually, uh, the gun must be fought. It wouldn't fire. Really? That's interesting. Well, then we know he can't shoot us if we corner him. Yes, uh, what then, sir? Well, it was rather odd, actually. He was trying to drag me out of the car, and suddenly he stopped and cried out. Uh, there was a, a look of terror in his face, uh, abject terror, as though he'd seen something horrible. He just, uh, just took off yelling, no, no, and so on. What did he see? Out there on the open road, wasn't anything to see. There was nothing at all. So he couldn't have, uh, unless... Uh... Yes, Mr. Holmes... Unless what? Oh, nothing. Uh, well, that, that's all I can tell you, Sergeant. That's exactly what happened. Um, uh, now, uh, if you'll excuse me, I I really must catch that bus. Oh, um, very well, sir. Come, darling. Stephen, what happened? I was getting worried. I was expecting you on the first bus. Did something go wrong? Oh, now, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> There, I'm home. Everything is all right. You sold the car? Not a question. That's what I went to town for, wasn't it? And the rest of it? You used the money to... Most of it. Still have 50. We can call our own. Of course, if we hadn't bought the car in the first place, we'd have been better off. But we didn't realize, did we? I hope it works, Stephen. I only hope it works. Of course it'll work. It has to. After all, the message was quite obvious. I don't think I could stand it otherwise. I couldn't go on living here, Stephen. I just couldn't. I know. I know. So it has to work. Because we'd never get our money back in the place we had to sell and move away. Not now. That Mr. Gardner would be ashamed of himself, taking us in the way he did. That's a bit rough, darling. It didn't exactly take us in, you know. He did say there was a story about the old house. Stephen, if we had one more night like the others, I think I shall go right out of my mind. Now, don't talk like that, Jan. We're not going to have another night like the others. And you're not going out of your mind. <laughs> Nor are we going to move out. Everything's going to be all right. You'll see. After this rather fraught interchange, Mr. and Mrs. Holmes had their evening meal and retired to bed early, for they were both rather tired. This was understandable, for if they were able, as Stephen had said they would be, to sleep through this night undisturbed, it would not only be a welcome relief, but rather remarkable. For since they'd bought this fascinating old house a few weeks before, laughing easily at the story of its being haunted, had scarcely known a full night's rest, and the matter of haunting had become far from a joke. It had started a bare week after they moved in. Well, Stephen, a normally sound sleeper, was awakened in the middle of the night by his wife shaking him. Stephen? Stephen, wake up! Yeah? Stephen, wake up! What? Uh, oh! What's that? I heard something. Heard something? What did you hear? 
I can't hear anything. Not now, but it woke me up. Well, what was it? I don't know. A kind of a, a thumping upstairs. Upstairs? Oh, come off, you old girl. There's nothing above us but the attic. I know that. It sounded as though somebody was moving things about up there. In the attic? Nonsense. You imagined it. Why, even if there were a burglar in the place, he wouldn't be up there. Even I'm frightened. Oh, Jan, for heaven's sake. <sighs> All right. I'll go up into the attic and uh, take the torch and take a look. Will that make you happy? Janet didn't want Stephen to go up to the attic, but on the other hand, she had to know what caused the noise she heard, so he went. And eventually, he came back. Well, what did you find? Nothing but our old trunks and suitcases and a lot of cobwebs and dust, which I might say is all over my pajamas. Are you sure you... Look, darling, you've just been letting that story about the house being haunted prey on your mind or something. Now, let's get back to bed and... There it is again. Great Scott. It really does sound as though there's something up there. It stopped. Well, now you know I didn't imagine it. There was something up there. But I tell you, nobody'd been up there. The dust hadn't been disturbed. There was no sign. What? Lived in that house for 30 years. Died there, too. And never owned the place, of course. Mr. Gardner, you shouldn't have sold us that house. As a responsible estate agent... I told you there was a story the place was haunted, Mr. Holmes. I told you that when you asked me why it had been unsold for so long. Now, you can't say I didn't. Yes, but I had no idea. I, well, I mean, who really believes in ghosts nowadays? People around here do, I can tell you. Great place for ghosts is Cornwall. I must say, though, you're a bit unlucky... I mean, another couple I know have a ghost in their place, a sweet, pretty young thing. <laughs> yeah, it leaves the air full of lovely perfume. Mm. Well, whatever this this thing was, it was certainly nothing like that. Oh? Uh, this uh, Agnes Cluett, uh, tell me about her. Well, there's not much to tell. Actually, I didn't know her. I just saw her a couple of times. She died only a few years back, left a lot of unpaid debts in the town, too. People had taken pity on her, let her run up all kinds of bills. She was poor then. <laughs> that she was. Poor in pocket and poor in spirit. Mean and crabby. Just the same, not everybody agreed she had to be mean. Some said she had a lot of money hidden away. Uh, it never came to light, though. Why would she be haunting the house? I mean, if we're going to agree that Janet and I have seen her ghost, why is she there? Well, now, I can't say handling real estate has taught me much about ghosts, Mr. Holmes. Now, I'd like to help you. And, of course, if you'd like me to list your place for sale, I... Don't bother. I'm not selling. Oh, you're, you're staying on, you mean? I'm a writer, Mr. Garden. And I've written many creepy ghost stories in my time. If I let some ghost, real or imagined, drive me out of my own home, how would I ever face myself or my public again? Oh, I see. No, I'm staying. And the next time that woman shows herself, she'd better be a real ghost. There is a corner of the vineyard selected for Montac. 
Montac Vino Blanco Selecto, a selected wine in the Spanish tradition, born of the finest white grapes, harvested from the most bountiful soil. Montac, a wine fit for noblemen, endowed with all the richness and nobility that nature alone can bestow. Montac Vino Blanco Selecto. Montac. Their real value for money. Incredibly remarkable. Whatever your motoring problem, the 404 can cure it. Peugeot 404. More than a sugar-coated pill. This is your thoughts on Christmas Day and every day of the year. Revlon. For her, intimate or aquamarine, enchanting individual items, lavish gift sets, luxurious vanity bags. For him, pub, or that man. This Christmas, let Revlon say it all for you. Ah, there we are, darling. When my uncle insisted on making me a present of this old sword, I never thought he, uh... Oh, I never thought it would have had a practical use. I must say, it looks awfully dangerous. Mm, well, if horrible Agnes shows up again tonight, she'd better not be some kind of prankster, because I'm going to have a go at it. been the ugliest woman in England if she looked anything like a ghost. And yet, do you know, I had a strange feeling about her. Oh, how do you mean? Well, she looked so evil, leering at us like that. And yet I couldn't help feeling she was trying to be friendly. <laughs> With that toothless grin, you must be joking. It was in the daytime, and it was rather easier to chat about the frightful apparition than it was later as twilight closed in and day gave way to the shroud of night. In bed, they both lay awake for hours. It must have been about two o'clock when they heard it again. <gasps> Stephen, listen! Easy now, darling, easy. Keep a grip on yourself. Ah, there it's gone. Stephen, I can't stand it. I just can't sit here and wait. Steady, Janet, steady. We're, we've got to wait. Hang on to yourself. Stephen! I see you. I can't. Look, I can't. Well, I can. And this is it. All right, you, whatever you are, take that. She was gone. The apparition, with its red-rimmed eyes, its mouth like a gash in a suet pudding had gone, apparently, right through the closed door of the bedroom. Stephen's blood was up, however, and he was not to be stopped now. You stay there, Janet. I'm going after it. Whatever it is. No, Stephen, please don't leave me alone. Uh, uh, here she is. But it says in the attic. All right, I'm going to get you, you rotten old hag. No, Stephen, please. Please don't leave me here. Now Stephen, too, was gone, and Janet was left alone in the darkened bedroom, whimpering softly to herself. As suddenly, as she leapt out of bed, her eyes wide with renewed terror as she heard Stephen's voice from the attic. Ow! Stephen? Is that you up there? 
fear for her husband overwhelming her panic, Janet was out of the bedroom and running barefoot to the attic stairs almost before she knew what she was doing. There was no sign of any ghost as she scrambled up the no. rickety stairway and burst into the attic. Stephen? Oh, that hurt, my gosh. Hello, darling. Oh, are you all right? Yes, I'm all right. I think. What happened? I, I'm not sure. All I know is uh, I followed the the apparition or whatever up here. Standing over there against the wall. I dived towards it and and something tripped me up. Tripped you up? But there's nothing there to trip over. Look, you can see for yourself. Just the same something tripped me. No mistake about that. I fell, bashed my shoulder against the wall. Fell and rolled over here. Hmm. I hope I haven't sprained anything. Oh, you shouldn't have tried to chase her, Stephen. You must have made her angry. Well, I can tell you she makes me pretty angry, too. What's the matter? What are you staring at? What's that on the floor over there? Something gleaming. Huh? Where? Well, this is where you said you fell, isn't it? Yes, I've cracked the wall mighty hard, too. Look, you Uh, made a hole in the wall. The plaster's all broken away. Stephen, there's something inside. See? Look, it's all fallen out on the floor. I say... What is it? <laughs> Too much to hope to be bags of gold or something. That's exactly what it is. Look, here's what I saw shining on the floor. Uh, why, it, is, it looks like a sovereign. It is. It's an old gold sovereign. And look, there are heaps of them here, Stephen. Just heaps of them. And indeed there were several hundred sovereigns, in fact. And as all the world knows, gold sovereigns, although no longer legal currency, are worth a good deal more today than their face value. Well, later that night, downstairs, before a stoked-up fire, Stephen and Janet Holmes sipped hot cocoa and gazed in wonderment at the neat little stacks of gleaming coins on the coffee table in front of them. You know what I think? What? I think this is all what it was all about. And I think you were right. She was trying to be friendly. (laughs) I'm sorry I called her an old hag. You think she was trying to let us know that all this money was hidden in the attic? I'm sure of it. Ugly as sin, though she might be, she's a a friendly old ghost. And good luck to her, I say. Oh, Stephen, isn't it marvellous? You know what this means, don't you, darling? It means we can afford that car we've always wanted. Oh, yes. And what's more, as soon as I can take these coins to the bank, that's exactly what we're going to have. A nice, bright, shiny new car. Well, darling, what do you think of her? Simply wonderful, Stephen. Simply wonderful. <laughs> oh, a car of our own with a dream come true. <laughs> oh. Janet had good reason to suppose all would now be well and that the ghost of the old crone, Agnes Cluett, was friendly to them despite her horrifying appearance. In a way, she was, as events were to prove, yet not quite in the way the young couple supposed. That night, they didn't have to wait till they were in bed. It happened while they were enjoying their after-dinner coffee by the big open fireplace in the parlor. Ah, that was very good. Perhaps I only imagined it, but the coffee was especially good tonight. Mm. There's some more in the pot. Good, I just... Uh, <coughs> oh, good grief, what was that? My boy! What on earth is happening? Stephen, it's her. It's her. She's doing it. But, but, but she's not here. I don't see anything. Do you understand? She's angry with us. She's getting the 
But what could he do? What could either of them do? Nothing but wait. At last, after what seemed an age, it was over, and there was a long silence. Then Janet started to cry. <laughs> oh, there, there, Janet, old girl, bear up, huh? <laughs> Step out the lips, call for, you know. I can't help it. It's also so horrible. She lead us to that money, and, and now this. Oh, my lovely thing, smashed a bit. Mm. This does look pretty much of a shambles, I must say. Phew. Oh, Stephen, what are we going to do? We must get away from this horrible place. We must. Mm, we can't, darling. That's just it. But why not? All our savings are in this place. With its reputation, our only hope of selling would be to find a pair of fools like ourselves. And that, I don't believe, is possible. But we must do something. The following week was a constant nightmare with visitations from Agnes Cluett, a daily occurrence. Janet's nerves had almost reached breaking point so that she nearly jumped out of her chair when one evening Stephen broke a gloomy silence with... By George, I've got it. Oh, Stephen, don't do that. You really maybe jump out of my skin. I solved the mystery, Janet. I know why she's keeping at us worse than ever. Oh, how could you possibly? The debts. She wanted us to use the money to pay the debts. Debts? Death. I'd almost forgotten. But it just came back to me. Something Gardner said when he told me about Agnes. Gardner? When she died, she owed people money. People in town. She was supposed to be a pauper, you see. Oh, I don't see what she that She wasn't was. a pauper. We know that. She had all those sovereigns hidden away. And she kept them all hidden till the day she died. She didn't pay what she owed. Good heavens, you think... That... Of course. Her ghost can't rest until the debts are paid. That's quite a common sort of reason for ghosts to hang about, so they say. Never too late to mend, you know, even after you're dead, apparently. Well, that, that would account for being so angry when we bought the car. Yes, so she wrecked the place. <laughs> Led me to the hidden money, expecting me to pay her old debts, which run into quite a bit, and I believe she owed more than 200 pounds in rent on this place. That's what Gardner said. And, and you think that if the debts were paid, then we wouldn't see her again? I'm sure of it. I should have thought of it before. But, Stephen, we haven't got the money now. Most of it went into the car. I know, darling. And that's why I'm driving the car into town in the morning and selling it. Selling it? Selling it to pay Agnes Cluett's debts and give us all some peace. Middle-aged. Feel your aging too quickly. Are odd aches and pains nagging you? Has your memory let you down lately? Can't concentrate on your work either? You need Salusa 45. Salusa 45 improves physical vigor, revi revives mental alertness, restores sound sleep. Firm support. But Mary, I want comfort. There's nothing more comfortable than Sealy Posturepedic Firm Support. How? Support for your body, just where it needs it. Your muscles can relax. They sleep when you do. So is Sealy Posturepedic not hard? Never. Orthopedic surgeons help design it. Sealy Posturepedic's comfortable firm support gives you real comfort. Comfortable firm support. I've got to try this. Now, Perry, let's have that again in the proper manner. Middle-aged, feel your aging too quickly. 
Are all the aches and pains nagging you? Has your memory let you down lately? Can't concentrate on your work either? You need Salusa 45. Salusa 45 improves physical vigor, revives mental alertness, restores sound sleep. Salusa 45 makes you feel and look years younger. Enjoy life again with Salusa 45. I'll come with you to the gate. Oh, it's lovely out here this morning. Oh, not as lovely as you, old girl. My word, two nights good sleep has worked wonders for you. <laughs> you must have been right, Stephen, about her wanting you to pay those old debts for her. I'm so thankful that Mr. Gardner could find out who she owed the money to. Well, she hasn't bothered us since I made the decision to sell the car. And I don't think we'll ever hear of her again. I don't mind doing without the car. I'd rather have my peace of mind and... Hello? Huh? Oh, car coming. <laughs> Thought it was too early for the bus. Well, who will this be, I wonder? Good morning, Mr. Holmes. Why, it's Sergeant, what's his name? Uh, Sergeant Ward. Oh, good morning, Sergeant. Looking for me? I am not, Mr. Holmes. Couldn't resist telling you what happened about Albert Tamblin. Eh? Uh, oh, uh, that murderer you were after. The chap who held me up on the road. Murderer? Held you up? What on earth do you mean? Oh, I'm sorry, Janet. Uh, didn't want to worry with it. Uh, it was when I took the car in. Had a spot of bother with a fellow the police are after. Uh, were after, sir. We got him yesterday afternoon. Not far from where you said you met him. Oh, good show. To give you any trouble... Uh, that pistol of his wasn't much good, but... Funny I... thing about that, Mr. Holmes. That pistol was fully loaded. And there wasn't a thing wrong with it. Fired the first time we tried it out. But how odd. I told you, he, he must have pulled the trigger four or five times and it wouldn't go off. What did he have to say about it? Nothing, sir. Tamblin was dead when we found him. Dead? Stone dead. Lying face down on the ground. The way we figured it... He'd been clawing at the soil. His fingernails were all torn. And the expression on his face, it wasn't very nice to see. The doctor found nothing wrong with him, organically, that is. Said he died of... <laughs> it sounds funny, I know, but... The doctor said he died of sheer fright. Queer, that, isn't it? Agnes. Pardon, sir? Agnes Cluett. He tried to steal her car. Nobody ever solved the mystery of why the loaded gun in the murderer's hand hadn't fired or why he himself had died so horribly. Nobody but Stephen and Janet, that is. They knew it was the work of Agnes Cluett, who had let no man stop Stephen selling the car and paying off her old debts. Those debts that had kept her unhappy soul earthbound, tied to that house wherein she dwelt as an uninvited. Saturday night? What Saturday Happiness. night? Happiness! And Sunday? Yes, family. I'll see you And Monday? For those of you who find Mondays one almighty washout, General Electric suggests their new super-size automatic washing machine. This front loader cleans a whopping six and a half kilos washing spotlessly at a time. Look into this new super-automatic from General Electric now and wash your hands of the week's dirty work for good.
Every Saturday evening at 9 o'clock, Springbok Radio brings you true tales of the supernatural, the eerie voice of the uninvited. You're tuned to the National Network of Springbok Radio. It's your favorite station for brighter broadcasting. An accurate time signal. When you hear the gong, it'll be precisely half past nine. Out of the night. Stories of adventure, mystery, and suspense. The needle on the speedometer fascinated me. Fifty? Fifty-five? Sixty? Sixty-five, the truck kept gathering more momentum, faster and faster. I kept my hand on the horn to warn all the other trucks and cars that I was out of control to get out of my way. Seventy-five. Eighty. I couldn't understand. I wasn't scared. Like a dream, like a nightmare that would end as quick as it began. No, not a dream. This was happening to me. Good evening. The American Broadcasting Company prints another story out of the night. Written by Larry Marcus and directed by William Teeson. Elliot Lewis stars in the role of George Graham in Dead End. This evening's story, Out of the Night. 85 miles an hour. 87. 88. No way to stop her. No brakes, no nothing. This was my death. I started remembering the way a drowning man remembers. And I began to know it was right that it should end like this. It had started less than three hours ago. A few minutes after 11 by the big noisy alarm clock on the chair by my bed. 11.05 Pacific Standard Time, like the man on the radio would say. The big blue Pacific. I came out to pick oranges off the trees and bake myself in the sun. We have found out the same things happen to you no matter where you are. Started pacing up and down. I lit a cigarette. My fingers shook so much I had to hold the match with both hands. That clock, it was driving me nuts. I was smart. Can't stop a ticking anyhow. <laughs> Helen? Yeah. What's wrong? A car parked across the street a few minutes ago. Black Buick sedan? I don't know if it's a Buick. It's them. You don't know for sure. I tell you, it's them. Have you got any money, Helen? What for? I gotta get away. Where are you going? To Frisco. If I can get to Frisco, I'll be all right. Yeah, till the next time. All right, don't start that. Have you got any money? Where would I get money from you? Maybe in Frisco it'll be different. It'll never be different for you. You've never done anything right in your whole life. <laughs> Leave it to me to team up with a guy like that. Look, there's no time. Come with me and I'll put diamonds in your ears. Was well, it my fault? Champagne for breakfast. So many furs in your closet you'll think it's a zoo. Tra-la, tra-la, tra-la. Oh, sure. Look, George. All you are is a cheap little tin horn who's reached the dead end. Helen, don't say that. Why not? Can't you stand the truth? Don't you know you've got no place else to go? Don't you know you'd be better off you let those guys in front kill you? Uh, Helen. You welched on them, didn't you? The least you can do is let them kill you. You'd really be better off, George. Everyone would be better off. You shut up. Uh, 
I, I, I didn't mean that, Helen. Helen, you got me crazy. I'm sorry. You better get out of here before I invite him in. Well, I, I need some money to get away. Sorry, I'm fresh out. No, but Helen, honest, Highway I... 99's less than a mile away. You should be able to hitch a ride easy. At least you got a thumb. Helen, just 20 bucks to do it. Get out! I... I, I didn't mean what I did before. Someday I'm going to get my break, and I'm going to make everything up to you, Helen. You see if I don't. One of these days I'm going to start going places. Where can a guy go when he's reached dead end? Wait. Helen shouldn't have said that. It wasn't my fault that I never got a break. I went down the back stairs. I could get out through the alley Okay. They didn't know I'd been tipped off they were after me. They were waiting for me to come out the front way. Well, they'd have a long wait. I pushed open the screen door. There wasn't a sound in the darkness. I got to the alley. Hey, Graham, wait up. Huh? Where are you going? I started running. I stumbled over a garbage can. Picked myself up and ran. I didn't want to die. I didn't want to die. I ran and ran. I began to feel as though I pushed through a cement mixer. My body ached like I'd been beaten with a club. I don't know how long I ran, but finally I knew I was okay. I'd gotten away from them for now. Where can a guy go when he's reached dead end? Did you ever have a tune in your head and you couldn't lose it? You think of a million and one things, but it's always there. Somehow I got to Highway 99. I could still hear Helen's voice. It was after 11.30. It was cold and windy, and the cars were passing me like I was a stone or a piece of wood, not flesh and blood, just like them trying to stay alive, trying to find a place for myself in this lousy world. Where? I couldn't get rid of that voice. If I could have ripped it out of my head with my fingernails, I think I would have done it. I'd show her I hadn't reached that end. I'd show her. Uh, hop in. It's an old flivver. The guy driving it was a shriveled up little squirt that could have been 60 or 100. We traveled at a steady 25 miles an hour. I'd like to have been moving faster, but you can't choose your rides in the middle of the night. Fifteen, twenty minutes. The old guy didn't say a word the whole time. He just sat there behind the wheel with a cold pipe in his mouth, at peace with the whole world. I kept thinking I'd settle for that right now, for the rest of my life. Well, far as I'm going. Huh? Turn off on that little dirt road up yonder. Oh, okay. Say. Yes? Your place really must be away from everything. Well. You wouldn't be interested in taking in a border for a couple of days. No, I. I, I could pay you not much, but, no, but a little. I wouldn't be interested. It's getting late. Okay. After the Ford left, I felt like a lost penny. 
I couldn't have been more alone if I was in the middle of the Sahara Desert. Cars started passing me again. Their headlights blinded me for a second and then rushing on. It was getting colder all the time. I felt my whole body shivering. My teeth were chattering like a handful of dice. I don't know just how long I stood there. Then a car stopped, the headlights blinding me. A ride. I walked over to the car. My fingers closed around the handle just as the door opened. Come right in, George. You! We've been looking for you. Come on in. No! I don't know how I got away from them. I ran to the side of the road, rolled into a deep belly. I was all scratched up and bloody, but I didn't even feel the pain. Where can a guy go when he's reached dead end? No, no. I didn't believe that. I started crawling on my hands and knees along the bottom of the gully. I could taste dirt in my mouth. Any second I expected to hear a gun go off, I expected to feel a slug tear into me. After a while, I looked back. I'd gone about 50 yards. The guys had found a flashlight and were shining it down in the gully trying to find me. Where can a guy go when he's reached dead end? I don't know how long I crawled. But when I looked back again, I couldn't see the guys anymore. All I could see were the headlights of their parked car way down the road. I climbed out of the gully. Back on the highway. I had to get another ride. Quick. Big truck was parked just off the highway. I went around to the cab. He climbed on the running board. The driver was just sitting up, rubbing his eyes and yawning. What do you want, Carly? Uh, you're taking a little snooze for yourself, huh? Yeah. You're going to start rolling pretty soon? Right now. Alone. Mind if I ride along with you? Yeah, I mind. No, look, I, I'm not like some of these guys. I won't talk an ear off you. You won't I... talk an ear off me because I won't be around. <laughs> off the running board, Pally. Uh, mister, please, give, give me a break. It's hard getting a ride this time of night. I said off the running board. No, no, you can't leave me stranded here. They'll find me. They'll kill me. Look, what are you trying to hand out? Now, for the last time, Pally, off the running board. No, please, you've got to give me a break. I'll give you a break right in your head. See, this wrench, I carry it right up here with me for jokers like you. Well, don't get me started, Pally. Off the running board. No, I can't. Okay, okay, I'll see if I can help you. What are you going to do? Let go of me. I'm going to give you that break you asked for, that big, wonderful break. Everything got mixed up, everything got torn and twisted. I felt pain one I'll minute, show you who's smart. and the next minute I felt nothing at all. Where can a guy go when he's reached dead end? Shut up, Helen, shut up. Where can a guy go when he's reached dead end? I knew I was fighting for the wreck, but I was crying. And I was going crazy trying to keep Helen's voice out of my head. And then right in the middle of everything, I started remembering something my old man used to say way back when I was a kid. And he'd come home from work to this while supper his mama had waiting for him. Ain't it great to be alive? I finally got the wrench and hit him with it over and over again. Ain't it great to be alive? He'd say, ain't it great to be alive? Then it was over. I was standing alone, trying to get my wind back. Feeling worn out through and through. 
I was, I was holding something cold and wet. I looked at my fist. I was holding a wrench. I, I tried to let go of it. I, I couldn't. Then I saw the driver huddled at my feet. Like he'd crawled off the highway to take a nap. I, I, I turned him over with my shoe. I felt sick. He was dead. I felt the wrench fall from my fingers. I looked down the road. The Buick was still parked. I started for the truck. I don't know how I felt. I felt like none of it was real, so it didn't matter. And I stopped. I went back to the body. I knelt down. I emptied the pockets. I put the wallet and some letters in my jacket. Dug out my wallet and put it in the dead man's pants. I didn't think much about it. It just seemed like a good idea. Then while I was stooped over, I happened to see that the Buick down the road was starting to move. I rolled the body down into the gully. As it disappeared, I called after it. So long, George. I ran back to the truck. I was alive. I was on my way. Yeah, the old man was right. It was great to be alive. The Buick passed me like I was standing still. One of the guys in the front seat gave the truck the once-over, but I was slumped into the shadows. I was all right. I pulled out the driver's wallet, looked at it under the dashboard lights. His name was Joe Parsons. Joe Parsons, okay. He was 32 years old. I could pass for that. Five feet eight. That was close enough. 180 pounds. Okay, so who could tell at night and worth clothes? Joe Parsons, pleased to meet you. Yeah, and the pleasure is all mine. I stopped at the first roadhouse. I went around and back. I cleaned myself up. Then I went out in front. There was a phone booth there. I closed myself in. Dialed long distance. Uh, I want to speak to Helen Graham in Los Angeles. Gladstone 3165. One moment, please. Yeah. From the moment I fished his wallet out, the idea had been taking shape. It's a fine idea. If Helen would help me, it would work. I have your party. Yeah. That will be 60 cents plus 10 cents tax. 70 cents in all, please. Okay, okay. me. Where are you calling from? I'm on the highway. You got away from him? Yeah. You were born under a lucky star. Yeah. They came up the apartment. They made me tell him what... Oh, okay, okay, never mind that. Listen to me, baby. I think we're going to be okay. I'm already okay. All right, now listen. Before very long, you're going to get a call from the morgue. Huh? They'll want you to identify a body they're going to find on the highway. Hey, what is this? Just listen, will you? The body will be pretty banged up, but you'll be able to identify it all right. You'll be able to say, it's me. You? Yeah. 
When the gang sees that in the papers, they'll stop looking for me. So now you've killed a guy. Well, I didn't mean to. You never mean anything you do. Well, he'd have killed me if I hadn't fought back. You'll do it, won't you, Helen? Oh. Please, Helen. It's the last time I'll ask you for anything. I'll make it up to you. You'll see if I don't. Yeah, sure. All right. I'll do it. <laughs> yeah, thanks, Helen. I still think you'd be better off dead. Operator? Operator? Uh, I'm a truck driver. I, I just saw a body along Highway 99. A body? Wait one moment. I'll connect you with the police. No, no you, you wait. I haven't got time to call the police. I'm behind schedule now. But, uh, sir... You call them. Tell them to get out there. About five miles this side of Kilgore. I hung up on her. And I got out of the phone booth. Then I went back to the truck and started driving. I didn't know much about driving a truck like this, but I kept her in low gear all the way. I fell into place with other trucks on the highway, and I was okay. After a while, I could start thinking about other things. About starting over again. Maybe making a go of it this time. When was I going to get my break? Everybody had a jackpot waiting for him someplace. Well, I was sure ready for mine. Then I saw the cops standing in the middle of the road, signaling me with a flashlight, signaling me to stop. I felt a tiny nerve deep inside me start jangling. I felt a bead of sweat slide down my cheek. What'd this guy want? Come on out. What for? You know what for. No, I, I don't know what... Come on, come on. You've been driving a truck long enough to know an inspection depot when you see it? Oh, yeah, sure, sure. What's the matter with me tonight? What's your name? Joe Parsons. Parsons? Oh, you're the one. Huh? What are you carrying what in What do you bag? mean, I'm the one? I'm the one for what? The kid was asking What about. kid? Where is Come it? on, come on. There's other guys waiting, too. What are you carrying in back? Uh, I, I, yeah, I, I know, I know. You guys could carry nitroglycerin and not know about it. I've been working the Nevada Highway, and the drivers there are just the same. Come on, get the keys and open her up. I got the back open. Cop shined his light around. It was all wooden packing cases in front, but in back there were crates of fruit and vegetables. Yeah, that outfit of yours. What's the matter? I was warned to be on the lookout for something like this. What? How am I supposed to inspect the stuff when it's packed in like that? Oh, yeah, that's right. Well, you guys learned a lesson. Come on into the office, partner. Oh, oh, but listen, I'm late. You're I... going to be a lot later. Come on. Now, give me a break, will you? I'm... Come on. We're going to make a call. Uh... Who are you going to call? Your company. That's who I'm going to call. I'm going to have them send out a couple of stevedores to unload so I can see what you got. You're going to wait till they get here. Hey, I can't do that. I... Who says you can't? Right through there. And who's that? Yeah. I had to get out of here. When? If anybody came out from the company, they'd recognize right away that yeah. I wasn't Joe Parsons. No, no. Yeah, okay. I looked at the door. Maybe I ought to make a break for it. Yeah, right away. I had to do something. Fine thing. I just found a dead guy up the road. Uh, yeah? Got to get down there right away. What about me? All right, I'll let it go this time. Swell, I'll see it won't happen again. You signed the report, didn't you? Sure, sure. Okay for me to go? Yeah. That poor stiff on the road, whoever he is, he's done you a big favor, Joe. Go on, get going. Climbed back into the truck. I kicked the starter. 
I wanted to get out of there so bad. It was a full minute before I saw the girl sitting there staring at me. You're Joe Parsons, aren't you? Well? I'd been waiting in the shed. I called up the trucking company and said it was an emergency. They told me you'd be coming through around now. What do you want? I'm not supposed to pick up passengers, even good-looking girls, much as I'd like to. I'm... Ruth. Yeah, okay. Am I supposed to know you, Ruth? I'm Evelyn's sister. Oh, Evelyn's sister. She came home to Ma last week. Just like she said she would. That's swell. Yeah, she came home. In a box. Look, honey. That's why I came out here. To kill you. Now, look, honey. You better put that gun away. Just try to grab it. I want you to. That'll make it easier for me. I guess I've done everything else that's rotten in this world, but I never killed anybody before. Why do you want to kill me? Huh. When you walked out on my kid's sister, you killed her. What? She was dead long before she turned on the gas. What are you trying to do? Tell me I killed her? Now, wait a minute. I... You could have seen some of the letters she sent home. You were her dream man. I could have told her about dream men. I've been bumping into dream men all my life. Ah, but she wouldn't have listened. All right. It's over for her. Now it's going to be over for you, Joe. You're making a mistake. Listen to me, I'm not Joe. If you kill me, you're killing the wrong guy. And I can prove it. How? Well, she must have sent you pictures of this guy. Look, I'll turn on the light. Here, look at me. I'm not Joe. She never sent us any picture. All she said, you were dark and handsome. If you weren't sweating so much, some people might call you handsome. Look, I tell you, I'm not... I like to see you sweat. I've been batted around so much by guys like you. Yeah, I love to see you sweat. Yeah, but I tell you, I'm not Joe. My name's George Graham. Show me something that says you're George Graham. Sure, I'll show you my wallet. Wait. Yeah. No, I can't. I didn't think you could. Now, listen to me. I've been listening for the last five... Hey, what is that? Police car came up. If you say anything, I'll kill you. I don't care what happens. Shut up, it's that cop. Parsons? Yeah? I'd have locked you up. Here, I should be halfway to Kilgore by now on that accident case, and i got to go chasing after you. What's wrong? The report. What about it? I thought you told me you signed it. Oh. That's all I do. Just let one of you guys get by without signing, and then it's my neck. Yeah, oh, it, it slipped my mind. Oh, yeah. Maybe I can see why. You ought to know better to park on the highway like this, Joe. What do you mean? Ask the lady what I mean. <laughs> she was asking when you were coming in. I didn't realize it was romance. Why don't you <laughs> shut up? Uh, you can't talk to me like oh, that. Oh, you got it all figured out, haven't you? Not much to figure, lady. Yeah, sign it, Joe. I got to get going. Here, give me the pencil. Here you are. Joseph Parsons, okay. Yeah. Like I said, you better not park on the highway with a lady, Joe. They got lost. Yeah, all right. (laughs) 
<laughs> nice fella. The world's full of nice fellas. Wherever you go, you'll find somebody with a hand ready to push your face in. He shouldn't have talked to you like that. And you. So you're not Joe Parsons, huh? Look, I had to sign Joe Parsons. I had a reason. Wouldn't have I had told him to grab you if I didn't have a reason? You couldn't have been afraid of the gun. No, not you. Well, you should have told him to grab me, Joe. Wait, listen to me, you crazy dame. I'll tell you the truth. I've done you a favor. You don't have to worry about killing Joe Parsons. He's already dead. Dead? How do you know? I killed him. That's how I know. Huh? Back on the highway three, four hours ago. I was in trouble. I had to get a ride. He wouldn't give me one. We started fighting. He he had a wrench. I killed him with it. I don't believe you. But don't you see? That's why I couldn't tell a cop about you. Don't you see? He'd have brought us both in. Everything would have come out. Oh, wouldn't I be a sucker to fall for that? I'm telling you the truth. Hey. Helen, sure. What are you talking about? I can prove I'm George Graham. The next gas station we come to, we'll stop. You can phone Helen. You're sure trying to sell me a bill of goods. I'm trying to stay alive. The first gas station. We'll phone from there. You'll see. It better not be too far away. Maybe the next gas station wasn't really far away, but it seemed to me like it must have been on the outskirts of China. She just sat there, looking out at the road ahead. Her face was hard and cold. I knew if this didn't work, she'd finally get nerve enough to kill me. There's a garage down the road. They'll have a phone. Yeah. There... There's only one thing. What's that? I've been thinking. Yeah? Uh, I'll have to talk to Helen first. Why? Well, so I can explain to her she has to tell you the truth. Otherwise... Otherwise what? Well... I called her before and told her what happened. I mean, about Parsons. I told her she was to identify the body of Parsons as me. Well, well, that's been three hours. Anyhow, that means the chances are she's already been called. Now, if you ask her about me without me talking to her first, why, then she'd say to Shut you... Shut up. Shut up. I'm tired of your lies. I know it sounds crazy, but it's the truth. I swear it Stop is. Stop the truck. Here. Before we reach the garage. Why? I said stop the truck. Now, give me a break. You're making a mistake. I've been making mistakes all my life. Stop the truck. So you can kill me? No. Look, I told you... Go ahead and shoot, baby. Only you're going to die, too. Because once my hands leave this wheel... You think I care about that? Better than 50 miles an hour already. You'll tip over and burn like a torch. Almost 60, baby. Hey. Move over, suckers. Move over. The express is coming through on a one-way street. Not <laughs> turn. Look ahead. so. You? I'm okay. 
We must have been thrown clear. So it wasn't a dead end after all. last thing I thought about before we went off the road. It was funny. I thought all my life, everything I'd done had driven me step by step to this road. And to this moment. And you. That really sounds goofy, doesn't it? No. Helen said that too. About dead end, I mean. And I guess you'll think this is some more of my baloney. But what you just said, I felt that too. No kidding. Yeah. George. I'm Joe, remember? No. You're George. Now you believe me? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Maybe that jolt I got. Maybe it knocked some sense into me. No. I don't think it's that. Hey. Huh? What? There's nothing. Oh, my... Hand, will you? What's the matter? It must be the shock or something. You feel weak? No. Funny. Get here. Like I was just starting to get high. No, not that either. Ruth, listen. It's all mixed up. I feel like I used to feel when I was just a little kid. Mom would bathe me in the kitchen. And I'd sit near the stove in a big Turkish towel and... Oh, what am I talking about? Ruth, listen to me. Hey. Where are you going? I gotta get back to the truck. Look at it. No, wait. Huh? You don't want to go back to the truck, honey. Why not? You gotta report the accident. If we go back to the truck, we'll see something that. Well, this is all gonna seem awful crazy to us at first. Until we understand it better. George, what will we see? We'll. We'll see two bodies. Whose bodies? Ours. Yours and mine, Ruthie. The American Broadcasting Company has presented another play in a series titled Out of the Night. Tonight's story, Dead End, starred Elliot Lewis as George and featured Jeanette Nolan as Ruth, Lois Corbett as Helen... John McIntyre as the inspector and David Ellis as the truck driver. Listen again next week over most of these stations to another story... Out of the night. George Fenneman speaking. This is ABC, the American Broadcasting Company.
That's the show for tonight. I want to thank you all for listening. And remember, you can find me on Facebook at facebook.com slash terror1970. Or you can find me on Instagram at Radio Show Nerd. Or on Twitter. Or X. Or whatever it's called now. At Radio Show Nerd 1. And if you want to drop me a line, say hello, make a suggestion, a request, a even a critique, respectfully, please feel free to email me at radioshownerd at gmail.com. I also have a YouTube channel, Terror Radio. Please check it out. Subscribe. Like and share the videos. Will be highly appreciated. Again, this is your host, Keith, better known as the Radio Show Nerd, signing off.